everybody. Welcome to the Brain Food Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Simon, here with me today. As always, after much technical difficulties, David, mm-hmm. how's it going? Good. Why do every week we have technical difficulties? I know. every It takes about an hour or two sometimes, every time. To get set up, and then we do an hour of show. And it's, it's always something different time. every time, even though it's the exact same setup. Yeah. Really an endless pain in the butt. Uh, so... Um, what are we talking about today? Major Hollywood Studio and the Fantastic Four movie. We've never done a video on this, but I'm familiar with this story. I think I saw something about it on Carl's channel, Carl Smallwoods. What a coincidence, because he helped write the draft for this, and then I edited it and whatnot, so, and added many things. How exciting. Yeah. Let's just do a bit of housekeeping before we get started. Uh, someone emailed me who won the contest. I haven't emailed you back yet. I'm really sorry. I've been busy, but I will, and we will sort you out. Also, if you want to leave us a review for this show, let me do this in order. First of all, if you're listening to this show live on YouTube or on YouTube at all, please go grab it on your podcasting platform, wherever you like to listen. It is, uh, it's an easier way to listen. This is definitely a video, uh, an audio focused show. So that's a good way to do it. If you are doing that already, why not leave us a review wherever you get your uh, podcasts? When we get to a thousand reviews on uh, American iTunes, right? That's what we use as our benchmark. We're going to go through all of the major podcasting platforms and pick someone to win an Amazon gift voucher. This time for a thousand reviews, it's a thousand pounds, a thousand dollars. Sorry, should say dollars, thousand pounds. Yeah. Although with today's exchange rate, it's probably like, yeah, it's like a thousand pounds is a thousand dollars. It's depressing. <laughs> so yeah, go do that. That would be awesome. Uh, do you want to start us off with a quick fact and then we can get into the main episode today? We are. So have you ever wondered why superheroes classically in their outfits always wear their underwear on the outside of their outfit. Oh my God. I, ha- I have wondered that. Tell me more. Have you, and just a quick aside before we get into it for everyone. This was our first video that we ever did, right? Like the first one you ever published to YouTube and the first one I ever published, right? I think this was, yeah, definitely. And I think this was way back, like before we even... 2013... The website for people who don't know was started in 2009, but the YouTube, we did a test video uh, of this on YouTube and it got like 500,000 views. Because my journey on YouTube was, I always say kind of starting with top tens, which was the mm-hmm. first channel I did. And then we started something, what, about yeah, a year, a year later, later six but, months later. But I'm pretty sure this one was like a year before. Yeah, because it was before anything. It was just kind of like, let's just give this a test and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. And it did, did it do well. It did. It got like a half a million views. Oh, wow. That is well. Is yeah. that because the channel does well now? Or was that? No, originally? that was originally. It hasn't really gotten any views since. Wow. If people cool. want to go check out the very first video, well, then <laughs> they'll spoil about what I'm about to say. But um, it's there yeah. and it's very different than our current ones. Uh, it's a little clip art animation type dealy. Didn't we do and something about pirates as well? Yeah, that was one that came a little later. And then the, the uh, how important Starbird came to be. And then we did one on the... Um, the surprisingly long time you can last in space without a spacesuit, and all of those got published on Gizmodo and stuff, so they all did really well. Uh, that was back when Gizmodo was republishing all the stuff from today. I found out, and then um, yeah, well, oh, Geek and Nerds, the the origin of the words Geek and Nerds, and then uh, yeah. yeah, and then we did nothing for like two years or a year or something, yeah. two years I think, and then we did and then we did everything for eighteen months and nothing took off, and yeah. then yeah, boom, yeah. Exactly. We should have capitalized on that Gizmodo time where they were republishing (laughs) everything. Should we have got started earlier? As with everything in life, probably yes. Yes. All right. So 
why why do they wear their underwear on the outside? So there's a lot of uh, little theories going around, hypotheses, I should say, um, as to why they do that. And one, I actually liked one uh, suggestion was that because most superheroes, they lost their parents at an early age so that they um, they didn't know your underwear goes under your clothes instead of on the outside. I'm going to go ahead and guess that that one's a big old legend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so the real the real reason was it was just, uh, according to DC comic editor Julia Schwartz, who, uh, you know, uh, he was edited tons of stuff like Superman and stuff, a lot of these early early depictions of this very thing. And he said it was actually the, the artists were modeling it after aerial circus performers and wrestlers of the era in sort of the early 20th mm-hmm. century. If you go back and look, they do wear these sort of like tights and then like these like underwear like tight shorts on the outside. And so did, you, did we just do a video on the Mucha Libre or whatever it was? The Mexican, yeah, we did. That guy, that the guy, with the, the, the mystery mask. of the mask or something. Yeah, they, yeah, they never yeah, took yeah. off his mask except for like later in life. Like even I thought the funniest part of that was even when he starred in TV shows, that he just inexplicably would have the mask on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's some good ones. Like when he's in that, what was it? And it wasn't just the audience. There was the one where the woman was playing like his wife or whatever and said, you have to reveal your face to me. And he didn't want to. So he had like a body double to wear the mask and take it off and only be shot from behind. So the other actress couldn't see what he looked like. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah it's crazy. Dude. Yeah. yeah. That actually did well, really well. It was, I, I was so shocked that that one did well at all. I thought that would be like... This was a, definitely in our low potential. Yeah, it did, did awesome. So, What I want to say is these guys kind of look like superheroes. Um, in the yeah. kind of weird, yeah, it's like the wrestlers. You can mask. think of like the the WWF and those. They also wear that type of outfit. Um, there is a debate. Like, is it underwear though? Like, in for superheroes because they're kind of. It could just be like you know tight shorts. But in the superheroes case, they actually wear it under their clothes, right? And then they take off their clothes, and then there's their underwear, basically, right? Well, I think you got to call it. It's middleware, isn't it? It's yeah. not outer. It's not under. Yeah. It's and they're not really wearing anything under or just that. Wear. Except for tight. <laughs> it's just wear. Uh, yeah, so so in any event, Today I found out Brain Food Show answering life's important questions. Yeah, that the artist figured because you know the the superheroes do a lot of acrobatic stuff and they're you know doing all sorts of athletic things, they should put them in that outfit, which also distinguishes it from kind of normal clothes that you know non superheroes wear. So it gives them a kind of a distinctive look. And the first the first to do this was the um, 1934 Flash Gordon one, and then of course Superman in 1938. Uh, would adopt this and also Superman Superman also was the first that I could find I couldn't find any one else any previous superhero that had a cape I think superhero or Superman was the first for that unless someone wants to correct me but I couldn't find them I wonder why he had a cape it's kind of weird yeah it is weird I mean I assume to make it look cooler when he's flying or something but like yeah no real purpose at all because the first thing that enters my mind is he has a cape because he flies and then I'm like, wait, that makes no sense. <laughs> we just associate capes with flying because of Superman. Yeah, yeah. Basically, and then of course yeah. all the comics that that uh, that adopted that. Um, interesting aside here. Uh, so when Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster, they actually created Superman a little bit before that, 1938. Uh, so they had a character in the reign of Superman in 1933, and he was not a good guy though. Their original incarnation of Superman was a bad guy, and he was just like mm-hmm. some random guy named Bill Dunn who was in a soup kitchen line. And then this professor, Ernest Smalley, comes up to him and offers him food and clothes and stuff if he'll just come and participate in the experiment. And then so Ernest Smalley gives him, uh, you know, some sort of concoction that he made that makes Dunn telepathic. And then, of course, naturally, now that he has superpowers and he is a Superman, uh, he d- tries to take over the world, as, as you do. And uh, wow. so uh, in the process, <laughs> superpowers are a bit more lame today. What can you do? I can read people's minds. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. Well, and then they instantly, like- instantly jump to now I'm going to take over the world. Yeah. 
That went that escalated it's like, quickly. I can tell what people are thinking about. It's it's mostly like <laughs> sex and yeah. you know pretty pretty dull stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so now I'm just going to conquer everyone. But uh, in the process of doing this, he kills Professor Smalley and then he finds out that his powers aren't permanent unless he keeps taking the potion. And so Superman loses his powers and then he finds himself, it ends with him back in the soup kitchen line. Uh, So kind of, you know, not arrested apparently, but you know. Uh, So (laughs) either way, so then uh, a year after that, they recast the character of Superman, came up with a whole new story and named him Clark Kent after Kent Taylor and Clark Gable, the actors at the time. Do you think, do you think we just associate the name Clark Kent with being awesome because of Superman? Or do you think it sounds cool? Because Bill Dunn yeah. <laughs> doesn't really have the same appeal. No, no. And what was no. that? Um, oh, did you do the did you do the one with the Stanley? The guy with the extremely boring name. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, but I can't remember what it was because it was so boring. Okay, I'm going to look it up. Or the other one, are you familiar? Was it was it a Today I Found Out video we did about the ornithologist James Bond? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. so boring. <laughs> that's why I picked the name. Yeah, because there's some like ortho- ornithologist in the Bahamas. And it's like the, yeah. the dullest name I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, Sanford Dorf was the guy. So the story Sanford here Dorf. is the uh, so Stan Lee's wife was married at the time when he uh, when he proposed to her. When actually when he asked her out on a date, she was married, but and happily married by her own account. But then she uh, was bored though. And so she just like Stanley came and professed his undying love for her and like kind of in a creepy way, which you can watch in the video coming up. But uh, either way, so she goes out on a date with him. Uh, and so, yeah, her her husband was named Sanford Dorf. It's a bit weird, though. Stanley seems a bit weird in this story because he's like, yeah. he just meets this room and he's like, I have undying love for you. And Anne tells like, her and literally like one what? of the first thing he tells her is he's been drawing her face since he was a, he was a kid. You know, yeah. Well, he is good at drawing, at least. Like, yeah, but if, like, if how someone if, if you just think if you're a woman, some guy comes up and is just like the, immediately is like professes his undying love for you just when he sees you, I've and been then drawing your face. <laughs> oh my god! Because next you're going to be wearing my face. I can yeah. tell. Yeah, and then she and then she's married, and then she goes out on a date with him, and then two weeks later they decide to get married. Um, and of course she has to get yeah. a divorce and and all that, so it's kind of had shenanigans there. But then then they ended up being married for sixty nine years, so it worked out in the pretty end. pretty solid. Yeah. 69 years is a long time. Yeah. But yeah, Sanford Dorf, you can't get much boring sounding than that. It also sounds kind of, his name sounds like he's a dork because of Dorf. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's, and not, it's not really a thrilling name, is it? Yeah. No. No. Although if he was Superman, I'm sure it'd be like Sanford Dorf, epic hero, like James Bond. Yeah. Um, should we do our ad read and then get into the we main do. I'm, I'm quite excited about this one because did you know, like CinemaSins was probably, I think might've been the first channel I ever watched on YouTube. I, it definitely wasn't. My first ones were always just rip-offs of the Ali G show, like from whatever TV. Like, because usually at the beginning, I swear it was just like ripped-off TV shows and little clips. Yeah, yeah. For um, for me, it was like there's YouTube was literally not even on my radar until like I don't know, it was like 2010 or so, 2011. Someone emailed me and was like, "Hey, you should take the today I found out name before someone else does on YouTube because you know you got the website." So I did, and then I did nothing with it for a while. Wow, you got on my game late. Totally. And and like CinemaSins, I think might have been like the first channel I ever watched. And and so now they're now they're sort of sponsoring us, but in the form of his book. Yeah. A couple of his books. Do you have yeah. them? Oh, you got them there as well. Do I you like them. how I prop this up like a true yeah. professional? Yeah. Did I, you see that? Like I should have done yeah. that. Like for our audio listeners, I'm or should just I, like hang it for like, more like um, you know, <laughs> so it's more dramatic of, effect, just just spinning around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Jeremy Scott, who is the uh, the co-creator and narrator of Cinema Sins, he wrote a book called The Ables, which I'm holding up to the camera right now. And he recently wrote 
a follow-up to that book, this one right here, called Strings. And should I say the summary? I don't want to say the summary of the book, but I'll yeah, give like know. a tease of what the book's about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, basically, it's about, it's about superheroes. Super appropriate for this video. I guess I won't describe the second book. Or I, no, I'll do, the, I'll do like the whole thing. I'll do the whole concept because I think that's a good teaser. Yeah. Basically, it's about this dude and he's like blind, but he also has telekinesis. So as we'd say in the UK, swings and roundabouts, but I know that doesn't cross the pond. So it's like yeah. pros and cons, yeah. like con being blind, pro <laughs> telekinesis. Yeah, I think it's the good. Which to, is pretty cool. Yeah. So he and his friends, they go to like uh, this superhero school and then like there's this class and, you know, there's the blind kid and some other kids who have like various disabilities. But, you know, those are the cons. Pros, they all have superpowers. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's pretty great. If you like this sort of video like or podcast, if you've clicked on one about the Fantastic Four, you're probably into superheroes. So why not give these books a go? You can order the first one, The Ables, right now. Uh, if you go to cinemasins.com forward slash book and then on the 24th you can pre-order it now but on the 24th it's out and that's the second one called strings so uh yeah that's cinemasins.com forward slash book go and check it out mm -hmm. uh i think we we think you'll like it yeah yeah thank you to cinemasins appreciate it you yeah. guys also have a kick-ass youtube channel yeah free plug for free <laughs> go check it out should we get into our main content uh we shall so is I don't know. Have you heard of this before, Marvel? You know how they sold off so many of their properties uh, yeah. in the early days yeah. for like nothing, like literally nothing almost, as we'll get into here shortly. But um, so yeah, basically, I didn't know so much about this. I, I followed the more recent like crazy number acquisitions where you're getting to like the billions yeah. for like, different companies and Disney dominating. It's yeah, talk about the value of a company going up uh, quickly with Marvel, uh, with wow, Iron Man now very rapidly. Uh, but so today we're we're going to talk about one such one such acquisition was when they sold the Fantastic Four, which the Fantastic Four was the first one for Marvel where they sort of went away from at the, before this they were they were called Timely uh, was it Timely Productions or something like that and so they just basically copied anyone else like they did like westerns they did they copied DC Comics superheroes type stuff um they had Captain America for a while there but he was like a really boring like uh, as Stanley said cardboard character at that point. Um, and then mm -hmm. so Fantastic Four is when they kind of branched out and said, we're going to do something like completely different and make more like realistic, like human, like real people, not like just like these cardboard characters that were, you know, not normal, you know, they're these flawless individuals. So then Fantastic Four is where they kind of branched off there. And that really like put them on the path to being the Marvel that we have today. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to 1983. And so at this point, they're selling off a lot of their their properties. And so enter German producer Bernd Eichinger. Absolutely. Nailed yeah. it. 100%. Yeah. I actually looked this up as a German, uh, a natural German speaker saying it. And I couldn't quite get the, it's like Eiching, it's like, it's not er, it's more like an eh or something. Eich, Eich, Eichinger. Wait, wait. I don't think your sound's going to be going to the right place. <laughs> no. Bernd oh, Eichinger. Eichinger. Great. I'm definitely going to not. Now that we've got that out of the way. I'm definitely not going to say that right. <laughs> this guy this better be a recurring character throughout this whole episode now it's that we've too, done this. Yeah, Baron Eichinger was, uh, so he was, uh, so he meets with, he goes to, he flies over and he's going to meet with Stan Lee to talk about, he wants the Fantastic Four. He's a huge fan um, and his company, he actually um, runs a company called New Constantine, which is a really, I mean, a lot of people probably don't know the name, but they they did like hundreds of movies and um 
And they were involved with like Resident Evil and stuff like that uh, as well. I, I feel I've heard of it because when you go to the cinema, you know, you sit there and they're like, Universal. And then, you know, all the other ones yeah, that yeah. you, you know, million. you wouldn't know what they were, but you've heard the names. Yeah. Yeah. So he was, he was involved in that. And later, um, later also Summit, he made Summit, which made like the Twilight series and stuff like that. But anyways, going back to this. He's going 1983. The company he had just the new Constantine. It just started like 1979. He helped. He helped. Uh, he got a stake in it and helped found it. But he goes. He wants. He wants the Fantastic Four. And so he goes. He's a huge fan. So he. Uh, Eichinger. He notes of their meeting with Stanley. When I shook Lee's hands, I was kind of wobbling. It was like meeting God. <laughs> yeah. Also, how cool is it? This guy's like, I like this comic. Let's buy it. Yeah. Totally. And and at the time, like. <laughs> It wasn't very expensive. Um, so <laughs> at the, at, like literally... He wasn't at, even rich. Like, he was just a regular guy. This is totally like, you don't have to be rich to... to I mean, you got to be well off, but like if you're like sort of that borderline between upper, you know, like your upper, upper echelons of middle class, lower rich, kind of that that ballpark. If you wanted, sure. you, could, you could do this. Um, it would definitely Wait, be... do like, we know... Did, Am I going to spoil it by asking how much it is? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get it to, was? We'll, we'll get to that. Okay, okay. Uh, so at this point, he couldn't buy it. Is the problem because it turns out Marvel had already sold off the um, the the um, Human Torch character uh, to Universal Studios, and so that was one. Flame of, on! Yeah, what <laughs> a guy, right? Yeah, one of the fantastic. <laughs> I saw ones. that terrible movie. <laughs> yeah, and so he go. So they sell it um um to Universal Studios through Frank Price there, and they they end up never not doing anything with it. But at the time. They couldn't, they couldn't sell the rest of the Fantastic Four. So they turned them away. But three years later, when Universal Studios let their, their rights, their film rights to the, the um, character lapse, then they could. So I hear he goes back, he buys it. And, uh, and so he basically has the rights to it at this point until December 31st, 1992. So he can do, he has exclusive film and TV rights. So, and like one thing important to note here is it's not just the characters and the stories he's getting, but literally every facet of the storylines and like side characters and like these things. So, so a good example of this is Fox. When Fox buys X-Men, when they bought X-Men, they weren't just buying the X-Men. Mm-hmm. They were also like the very concept of mutants with superpowers was now theirs. Like, and so that, so if, so Marvel Hang at on. this point could not use it. Like if you call it a mutant with superpowers, that Marvel can no longer has the film rights to anything with that. Um, unless but then that's so generic. Yeah. Like they could be like, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, you, anything to do with spies. Yeah. Like, that's this mine. is, this was the problem with the way Marvel worded a lot of these com- uh, uh, contracts in the early days is they were very loose as we'll see where this Eichinger, he takes advantage of that as well. So yeah, th- this is the thing. And this, this led to a lot of different things happening with, uh, so this is why like Scarlet Witch and, uh, and whatnot in the, in the Marvel couldn't be a mutant. Like they had to give her a different origin story and they could still use it because of like this, like, if it was if the character also appeared as as sort of a main character of a different of a, like a non X Men, they could still use it sort of as like a joint thing, but they couldn't reference the the mutant part. And so this like this is like a contract thing that that they you know th- this was just way too broadly worded in, in the way they do this. So um, this was uh, I still don't understand how you can just say we're doing mutants. They didn't surely they didn't invent. I mean the idea of genetic mutation is <laughs> not something that they can own. Yeah, well, mutants with superpowers. So it didn't have to be actual X-Men. It could be just any mutants with superpowers, which brings us... It's too broad. It is way too broad. Exactly. Very much. So this uh, this is why Squirrel Girl, if anyone... So Squirrel Girl is sort of this... Um, started out as just sort of this like character that was supposed to be funny, like just a one-off type thing to be... She wanted to be Iron Man's sidekick. 
Uh, and she's just sort of like a, a plucky, upbeat and super positive version of Deadpool, kind of. And like a young teenager, she was 14 when she debuted in the, uh, you know, the age they put her at at the time. And so like uh, this character, this character, they couldn't call her. <laughs> Look at a picture. She has a giant tail. <laughs> she does, which she keeps. They, they She keeps tucked away in her pants, which she notes gives her a nicely shaped butt. Um, in the comics wow yeah how old was she again yeah exactly well it gets even creepier than that um but okay so, so when they created this they actually specifically put a part in the comics where she's examined by a doctor it's like where's her powers coming from and and to to specifically have the doctor note that she's not a mutant she's something completely different and this was solely so that oh, they would get around <laughs> so that they if they wanted to then they could use her in a film at some point um without having to you know get around you know get around the problem so this character though is hilarious because she's kind of grown in popularity uh, in the last few years but so she like her the running gag with her is that she can just easily defeat anybody even though she's just kind of like her powers are the powers of squirrels what, what exactly are the powers of squirrels well, she's like super agile and <laughs> i'm can, excellent like, at burying you know, nuts yeah there's a lot of nut jokes with like she's got her, her um she's excellent at long-term investing yeah <laughs> her utility belts her utility belt has these little pouches that contain not like gadgets like Batman or something, but but nuts. And they're literally it's her nut sacks in the in the comics. Oh no. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like you can see it's really funny and sort of they, they also she breaks the fourth wall and so does her little squirrel sidekick. Oh, I like that. That's like Deadpool. Yeah, it's a little bit she's yeah. like a much like a positive version of Deadpool, not gory, but the, the running <laughs> gag is sort of that she can beat anybody, like just randomly. And sometimes not even like when she beats Thanos. It's like, I think the first time she, it wasn't even showed how she did it. She just like, eh, no big deal. Yeah. I beat Thanos, you know, like, you know, I, I don't know anything about what's Thanos. Wait, Thanos, like Marvel. Tell I've me. never seen any of these movies. Dude, it's me. What did you expect? No, I've never seen any of the Avengers movies. I've seen Iron Man. That's it. The original Iron Man, and the second Iron Man, which were amazing. This is a whole nother level because it's like the Princess Bride, at least you could argue that it was sort of obscure when it came out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not big into comic books. I never like I really liked Iron Man. And then I read a bunch of Iron Man comics because a friend of mine gave them to me and it was great. Um, but that's about <laughs> as far as I've gone. What? I'm, I'm... <laughs> it's not unreasonable. Not everyone's into comics. <laughs> well, but the movies are like universe, like every like literally almost well, everyone who am I supposed to them. go see avengers with like my wife should be like are you joking she would love them because everyone loves them not everyone actually that's not true i did see one um what's the one where a big rip opens in the sky above like metropolis or whatever and all of these space aliens come in yeah and then that they was have the to first, fight them the first avengers one i had absolutely no idea what was going on <laughs> naturally i'm just like I came here to see Iron Man and now I'm very confused. <laughs> You're missing out because especially like the, yeah, they just get better. Well, mostly they get better and better as, as they go. There's a few that are kind of like, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's good. They're all good, but they, they definitely improve. I mean, Iron Man, of course, is still, you know, one of the greats, but the, but the last like end game, so good. So good. I liked, oh, I'm sorry. I also saw Batman. Well, Batman the- <laughs> was also great with Christian Bale. Yeah. That one's DC comics though. So. But that was also good. If they can get Batman and Iron Man together, way, I'd go see that. Way, way better. There's going to be licensing issues. I'm aware. <laughs> you should definitely go through them. They're good. They're good entertainment. Um, but anyway, she, she, she can beat. She beats. She beats <sighs> Thanos. She beats uh, Ego. You haven't seen the Guardians of the Galaxy either, because those are two of like. Ooh. Uh, wait. Is that the one with Chris Pratt? Uh huh. 
Yeah, I've seen that. That's good. Okay. You've seen Wait, this. is that in the same universe? Ego. Ego, the, the living planet is... I don't want to spoil oh, it. How, oh, maybe... I, wait, no, maybe I haven't seen that. I've seen... The, I think I've seen the first two. Chris Pratt. I mean, see who I'm thinking of. The one where he plays the kind of lazy yeah. superhero. He's yeah. like a... Yeah. There's a living Guardians planet of the that. Galaxy. Maybe I fell asleep. No, that's the second one. I'm not going to spoil it. So I'll just say there is a ego of the living planet. She she beats him easily. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've seen the second one. And now I think I probably did fall asleep. <laughs> Galacticus, Doctor Doom and Magneto. And she also beats Wolverine, Deadpool and Spider-Man just for fun. And that but so she's a nanny because she's a teenager. So she's a nanny for Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, the superheroes. And so so it, this no, is no idea who these people. Are. This, this is this comes to the 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 sort of creepy part. So Wolverine walks in on one of them and he sees her there and he's like, oh, and it's like, it's implied that they used to have some sort of intimate relationship, but she was like 16 or 15 at the time of the showing. And then it's like before, and he's like over a hundred. And, um, yeah. and, and so it reminded me a little bit of Twilight <laughs> as well. Um, which twi- I've never seen Twilight either. Yeah. Well, you're not missing out on that one. That, that one I hear is, is yeah. it's good. I haven't seen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the sparkly vampires as far as so. So you asked how much they, how much did Marvel sell to to this guy? And it turns out he's they sold Fantastic Four, which was one of their prime properties. The entire sort of storyline, all the connected characters, everything they sold for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which, to be fair, adjusted for inflation, was five hundred and seventy seven thousand dollars today. But that's still like that's like expensive. But like if you really wanted a, it, if you're like a low kind of that, you know, like that in between, if you wanted it, you could just buy it, you know. By the by, the film rights. To be fair, I don't know many middle class people who could go spend six hundred no, grand. No, like that sort like, of like that up super upper middle class, like lower rich. That like if you want, if you really okay. want, it's like buying a house. You know, if you just like really wanted it. But of course, Marvel probably wouldn't sell it to you because um, you know, there's the whole fact that they're selling it because they expect you to make a film out of it, and so you'd have to you know have money backing it up. Yeah, which was yeah. So they they well, uh, if I ever invent a time machine, I know what to do. Yeah, exactly. buy that. By Amazon and uh, Spider-Man, they sold Spider-Man to Canon Films at the time for two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, which Spider-Man also uh, one of their top things. Um, and of course, Daredevil and X-Men to Fox, Blade to New Line, Hulk and the Iron Man to Universal, which I didn't know Iron Man particularly. Hulk actually Universal I think still holds the rights to Hulk, uh, so they had to do some sort of sharing there uh, in the films. But um, and also why you don't you're not getting the the Hulk Hulk movie. Blade is a superhero. Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, actually, those those were actually some of the better superhero, you know, ones back in the 90s, like when everything was crap. Yeah, I've seen Blade. Yeah, that was good. But yeah, so oh. Iron Man, Iron Man was owned by Universal and they ended up at this at the part that I thought was interesting about this is so Nicolas Cage, which, you know, he seemingly is going to be oh, wants everything. No he, way. He wanted to be Iron Man. He pushed for it uh, oh. in 1996. And Tom Cruise also pushed for it pretty hard. Uh, Quentin Tarantino. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, Quint- <laughs> Quentin Tarantino was offered the job to direct the film and and write a script. Um, I, I uh, it didn't go forward, of course. Um, then Stanley and Jeff Vintar actually did write a, a script for it, but they ended up Universal ended up selling it to I think they sold it to Fox. Can't remember. Either way, either way, they um they they let whoever let the the rights to it lapse in two thousand six, which is when Marvel decided to launch their awesome movies with with Iron Man um, almost immediately. Hey. Are you familiar with Drew Scriptorama? Do you know this website? No. It's like a guy who's compiled like all of the scripts for movies. So you can go in and you can search for movies and they often have ones that weren't made. So you can go in there and you see like the original scripts for this. And when you know who the cast is, 
And when you know, like, all of these details, it's pretty amazing because you can read through the script and the movie plays out in your mind because it's like, you know, fade to black. The scene is like this. This is happening. And the ability of your mind to make up the movie is incredible. And then you can just imagine, like, Quentin Tarantino directing. So you're like, okay, tons of blood. Nick Cage as Iron Man and all of this stuff. I I would I, I won't check now because it'll take too long to search through it. But I'd be a, it would be awesome if that script was on uh, Drew's scriptorama. Yeah. Um. In the original, I think the original Iron Man script actually had when the actual one Marvel did actually had a lot of leeway. I don't know how. I was reading something about how the the script itself wasn't actually super detailed on a lot of the lines. Like a lot of the actors just kind of came up with what they said. Which I mean, with Robert Downey Jr. works great because he's you know kind of just playing himself as a superhero. Um, so it, it kind of worked out. Yeah, but, no, I don't want to bring you down. Like it was amazing. Yeah. So yeah, Marvel. So like, at the time they thought this was a great deal, like selling off these things. Cause one, they, they were having some financial problems at the time, but also it seemed like it's basically didn't matter what they were getting for it because they were basically selling this. They were making some money, but which was basically someone paying them to advertise for them. So like if someone, if these movies actually get made, it's like free advertising. So they sell more comics, which is really what they were interested in. And uh, and then on top of that, if no film gets made, they just get the rights back. They can sell them again to someone else. And then maybe uh, maybe a film is made there. So it, the whole thing seemed like a great idea to Marvel at the time. Mm-hmm. But then Batman came out in 1989 and grossed a whopping $411 million, which is about $840 million mm-hmm. today, off a budget Whoa. of just $35 million. And then Marvel was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Wait, which Batman was this? This was the one with um, Michael Keaton and uh, Jack Nicholson. Was this when they were kind of campy? Was that Batman? Uh, no, this one was this one was the good one. Oh, okay. Of that of that era. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking up pictures of it now. Yeah, this, it was it was good. I haven't actually seen it in many years, but I remember liking it a lot as a kid. Yeah. So they they realized at this point that they had massively massively underestimated the values. So. Yeah, they started they started rethinking this whole idea of selling off the but they'd already sold off most of the rights, so it wasn't working out for them. But as for Eichinger, he he had the rights to Fantastic Four in hand. So then he sought out because he was he was again, he was a huge fan. He gets painted sometimes because of this story as a guy who like didn't even care about Fantastic Four. But like he was actually a huge fan and he wanted to make like he wanted to make a movie that would be like a fifty to hundred and fifty million dollar budget, which back then was about a hundred to three hundred million dollars uh, today in today's dollars. So he wanted to make like, you know, one of the most well this is this is the Eichinger with the Fantastic Four. He bought it for like a few hundred thousand. Yeah, he wanted to make this like massive movie on a scale for a superhero movie. Like even the Batman was only a budget of, of thirty five million. So this would have been, you know, like groundbreaking. But of course, because he was wanting to spend all this money on a superhero uh, film, the he was not getting investors to bite on on the idea. Um but at the same time he was actively he was talking to Chris Columbus, who at the time had uh, directed Home Alone and since then he's done a lot of other stuff like some of the Harry Potters and stuff. Um, and so he was he was doing all this, trying to find funding, trying to get Chris Columbus uh, tacked on so he could that would also help get funding to have a major director on board. It's disappointing he doesn't go by Christopher Columbus, isn't it? Yeah, well, I assume that's probably <laughs> why. But so December. But the problem is, so that all this is happening in December 31st, 1992 is coming up, which is when his expiration on the film rights. Right. So he goes to Marvel and he's like, hey, can we work out an extension? I still want to make this movie. And he thinks they're going to just be like, yeah, sure, because, you know, he's going to make this awesome movie for them. But at this point, of course, they had rethought their whole thing and they were like, no, no, we want that back. Um, so we're not going to make a, a deal. We want the characters back. And so this had Eichinger. He then goes looking at the contract to see if there's any way he can get the he can continue to have the rights. And what he finds is this quite loosely worded contract, it turns out. And it turns out he doesn't actually have to have made the film. 
He just had to be in the process of making a film. And also critically, because he didn't have the funding, is that he also noticed that Marvel nowhere stipulated how big of a movie this had to be, like how wide a release it had to have or how much it had to have cost Mm. to make. So like he could literally get out a home camera and just start filming, you know, Fantastic Four. And so if he wanted... Uh, he didn't go quite that that cheap, but yeah. So as he as a quote that says, it, it's like it's about thirty seconds long. <laughs> yeah. And so he goes. He's still on the side trying to get Chris Columbus on board and trying to get funding for a big movie. But then he says, "Okay, my deadline's coming up, so I'm going to go to Roger Corman. Uh, it, it was a you know famed. He's one of the most famous B movie uh, directors of all time. Uh, and so yeah, he goes. And it's this is three months before his it's the contract's about to expire." And he goes and he says, I need to make this movie fast. And he offered him like three million to make it like a budget of three million at first. But it ended up only costing one point five million because they went super cheap, which is about two point seven. Why? If he's just going to make he's just he just has to make a bad movie, right? To get he just has to make the movie. I assume probably because if he if he just literally whips out a home camera and does that, I'm assuming he's thinking Marvel would probably sue him and probably win. Right. Like. There's the spirit of the yeah. contract too. Whereas if he puts some effort in, like hires a notable, it's like no, I really tried. <laughs> yeah, I got this director, this you know, and he's like a famous B movie director. Like he's like the king of B movie directors here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he could give, and he gave him. It's not like he gave him nothing, you know, to work with. I mean, it was about two point seven million today. About one, it was one point five million then. Uh, so it was like you know, not nothing. So it was like a sort of he could maybe argue it was a good faith effort. I suppose. Sure. Uh, and he didn't even tell Corman that he had no plans to release this movie. Like Corman was under the impression this was going to be like a movie that was actually, you know, going to see the light of day. And none of the actors either. None of the actors knew uh, that they all thought this was like going to be like the next Batman. You know, they were trying to do their best off the shoestring budget uh, to make it. Wait, there. hang on. <laughs> Batman had a budget 30 times bigger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, but, you know, they didn't know they, they're trying to do their best. And so you had everyone working real hard. And so one problem they did have is Corman, he wanted as much time as possible to plan. He only had three months and he was like, so we'll just do it on the 31st, right? Then you'll be able to, December 31st, we'll start filming. Then you'll still have your rights. Uh, but uh, but the the Eichinger, he, he didn't like that idea because then he thought it would look super obvious that he was just doing it to keep the rights. And then Corman yeah. reasonably responds to him. It's going to be pretty obvious whether it's December the 26th or December 31st. Yeah. So, uh, and so, cause yeah, Eichinger wanted the, the 26th for some, you know, just because, and so they ended up, ha- they ended up split. It does seem, it does seem less like, what time did you start recording? 11.59 yeah. on the 20, on the 31st. Yeah. So they ended up splitting the difference and agreed to the 28th to give Foreman a little bit more time <laughs> uh, to plan. Cause again, he was trying to make like the best movie he could make like this, you know, he's a professional director and you know, he wanted to do a good job. And the actors all wanted to do a good job as well. So you have like the the costume designer, Reve Richards, was studying the original comics and reproduced like the exact costumes and everything. And the actor who played um, the thing, he ended up he ended up shadowing uh, the character of um, the actor who had played the Benjamin Grimm. So he the thing then you know the rock covered version of that of that character. So he wanted, but he wanted to mimic sort of the mannerisms and everything of this other actor. So everyone was trying to do a great job. None of them knew. Oh, now it's now it's gone from funny to just quite. Yeah, sad. it is. Cause they, and they're like super excited. Some of them are like, this is going to launch my career. This is you my know, big break. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to do an awesome job. And they ended up it, 28 days was all it took to film this thing. Um, Cause you know, and I at this time, he did maintain that he, what he was actually going to planning on releasing this, even though all evidence to the contrary, because after, after the 28 days after the filming wrapped, 
he ended up just like ceasing all communication with everyone involved in the film. Um, sort of ghosting, ghosting them. them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so, but undeterred, they made this film and they were, they, they still thought it would get, I mean, they made the film, they have the stuff. So all the editors, everyone continued working on it on their own time. Uh, even the composers who had written the music but had not yet been recorded uh, then spent their own money, many thousands of dollars, to get a, a symphony to record it so that for the film and everyone's doing this. And then when when I hear showed absolutely zero interest in promoting the movie, the actors took it upon themselves to to they pooled some money together, hired a publicist to then start putting it out there. They go around to all these magazines and newspapers and trying to anyone who will listen basically about this movie that's going to come out, this superhero movie. And they even they went to Comic-Con in their costumes and did autograph tours and yeah. uh, everything. They were trying to promote it. And so Corman, uh, Corman, meanwhile, uh, so he's he he also put in um, one of his movies, The Carnosaur, which is a direct to VHS movie he made. Uh, and he put that is the, the trailer for the for the Fantastic Four in there. Oh, he yeah. Made, you so used to have trailers at the front of movies. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was and annoying. So, Do you remember DVDs when they first came out and you couldn't fast forward them? <laughs> I did. There was a Disney movie where I actually, because yeah, I just rip rip them all and put them on Plex, you know, so I can just watch them from anywhere. Yeah, but uh, not when back I buy in the day. No, but like yeah, like nowadays that's what I do. In the end, I don't know, month or two ago, I actually had to watch a Disney movie in like a Blu-ray player, and it did. It had this whole like three-minute thing you had you couldn't skip. Yeah, it just kept going. Like, how much did I pay for this? <laughs> like, yeah, it's like yeah, it was like. It was like 18 pounds, I remember, for a DVD when, you know, it first came out. I remember I had The Matrix. It was the first ever DVD yeah. I owned. And you used to have to watch trailers. It's like, I paid for this already. Yeah, it, 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 is, it was quite, quite annoying. And yeah, everyone, Plex is way better. Do you, have you used Plex at I all? I have used Plex, yeah. Up? You recommend yes. that to me. Put all your films and then you can just watch anywhere in the world. It's awesome. It's pretty good. But in any event, so they, they end up, they cobble this from all the footage, the editors, they eventually come up with a workable film and they they set up a premiere and release in theaters and everything uh and so it's supposed to premiere at the mall of america in minnesota but it was like a charity event there at the theater there um for like ronald mcdonald house and stuff like that so um supposed to premiere but then literally days before they put in all this work over the course of like a year i think it was they put in all this work to put to finalize the move they get a cease and desist order from eichinger and and basically stop promoting the bloody movie <laughs> yeah you're not he's basically you're not putting out this movie and uh, so and the theaters all the copies they were confiscated and destroyed well supposedly all the copies but there's actually still copies around that you can find low quality on the internets and they no one quite knows where those came from because everyone says every copy was destroyed uh so what happened here and it turns out so the ceo of marvel at the time uh av arid and um stanley and eichinger all have sort of various versions of the same story so basically what it came down to is marvel of course caught wind that this thing was actually going to be produced and that it was super cheap and like low rate you know b movie type thing and so they they didn't they didn't want one of their strongest brands in Fantastic Four to debut in this this you know crappy movie. Yeah. And so like as Stanley uh, noted, I have a sentimental attachment to the Fantastic Four, and I was heartbroken to think it might appear only as a low budget quickie. Yeah. And so then Arid, uh, according to Eichinger, he he Arid calls him and says, "Listen, I think what you did was great. It shows your enthusiasm for the movie and the property. And I tell you what." I understand that you've invested so and so much, and Roger has invested so and so much. Let's do a deal. Every everyone in Hollywood always says everything is great. I, I, this I know we've 
our dealings with this. And I've had some dealings. And today I found out before it's always like everything's. Yeah, that's great. That's exactly what we're looking for. Except, yeah. you know, like and, and then they never tell you what they actually want. Like, we're not going to say what show it was. But wow, is that annoying for like months on end? It's so weird. It's such a it, it's such a strange way to do business. Like this it's is like, the best just tell thing me ever. what. Yeah. Just tell me what you want. Like, just lay it out there and then we'll do that. Yeah. Anyway, it's a strange place. Um, so, yes, he, he, he everything was great. But of course, he wanted to make a deal so that this thing would not see the light of day is what they wanted. So it ended up. The, so, uh, Arid, he in 2002, when asked about this at a convention, uh, he responded. I bought Corman's Fantastic Four for a couple of million dollars and burned it. <laughs> and this the funny thing about this is, OK, so oh, the budget was so 1.5 million. It is for the actors. But, yeah. And they put in all this work. Okay, so you think about this from his perspective. Is is I hanger he he puts he buys this this property in the first place, this rights for you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and then he can't get Marvel to extend it. So then he spends one point five million on this film, and then Marvel pays him a couple million to not put the film out. So it ended up like he kind of ended up making a profit off this thing, and Marvel ended up having to pay a lot of money uh, rather than you know he probably would have offered the money to extend the deal but so he got to extend it because he made the film it was there they're the ones who didn't want him to put it out yeah so yes that that ended up putting the end to that movie but yeah in the end marvel pays him 10 times what what he paid them in the first place for the rights just to not put out the movie but yes there is if you if you search around on the internet you can find sort of bootleg copies of this and have you um, seen this? some i saw a couple of clips on uh, on youtube but i haven't seen like the whole thing at all i think i feel like i've seen pictures from it and it yeah looks, i just seen like little snippets yeah it it does but the funny thing about this though is if you go look up on rotten tomatoes this this um this film 1994 uh, fantastic four has a 27 percent a rating versus the 2005 fantastic four film which had a had a cost about 230 million dollars to make yeah that had had the same exact rating <laughs> on rotten tomatoes <laughs> although to be fair that one actually made a lot of money i can't remember how much it was but it, it made well yeah because they actually released it <laughs> Yeah, well, and they they did put a lot of money in it, and uh, I yeah, do and then remember the, the, it being really quite bad, though. Yeah, I think so. But at the time, the superhero movies, other than like the Spider Man, I mean, they weren't great back then. I mean, you had like the Batman. Was Batman up before Fantastic Four? I like that Spider Man, the one with um, what's yeah, his face, Toby Toby McGuire. That was cool. Yeah, I mean, the the newer Spider Man is way better, which you've not seen because you haven't watched the Marvel movies, but it is way 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 better. But that one, yeah, at the time, that one was great because it was you know it was a lot better than most superhero stuff at the time. Other um, than the Tobey Maguire one, I thought it was. Everyone said it was worse. No, the new one is awesome. The new, the the Marvel one, which you might be thinking about the the uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, dude, I don't know. I'm so yeah. confused. The, no, the the There's new so one, new character is awesome. With but the problem with the How problem with the new one is up? Sony still owns the rights to the Spider-Man, and they just kind of let Marvel borrow him for for a little bit, and now Sony's taking it back, even though Marvel was. Well, I don't want to spoil it for you, but. Dude, it's, it's okay. A I'm never gonna watch it. <laughs> you should. You should watch it. Yeah. No, how long have people been saying I've watched The Princess Bride? It's been like what two years? Well, these ones are when you're working out or something. Like put on the the the, the Marvel series. It can last you like literally like a month or two of workouts because there's so many of them. <laughs> what do you think I do when I work out? I built like a whole desk so I can work while I work out. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. In any event, the the also the 2015 remake of the Fantastic Four, which costs 150 million dollars, actually has a nine percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which is significantly oh, worse than this bootleg. Uh, oh, so I looked up a movie the other day that I think it was 
Um, I was talking about Nicolas Cage movies with my friends. And yeah, this is it. There's a Nick Cage movie called Left Behind 1% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. It was really bad. Yeah, I saw it. Um, I was on holiday somewhere and the place I was staying, like the Airbnb, had a bunch of like pirate DVDs. And yeah. I watched it. I was like, because you have no idea what it was. You're on holiday. The internet sucks. I'm like, I'll just yeah. put this in and watch it. <laughs> it was so bad. Yeah, I remember yeah. I read actually the the book series when I was a kid and I remember thinking it was okay. It wasn't great, but I've heard that movie is just awful. Even the people who love the books are like, no, it's bad. Well, um, the movie gets a 38% audience score, but I think that's just because it's really religious. Like the book's got yeah, a really religious a, theme, so I think it gets yeah, a lot yeah. of, you know, votes for that because it's objectively terrible. Yeah, I never finished that series because I think it stopped like they were still writing it when I was a teen. But mm. either either way, so eventually uh, Fox, um, I Hinger did team up with 20th Century Fox uh, and and he produced, <laughs> helped produce those those previous movies we talked about. Um, and then at some point, I'm just, yeah. some of the re- I'm on Rotten Tomatoes and I couldn't help but look at some of the reviews for this movie. <laughs> Score one for Satan. There's <laughs> another one. Left Behind is biblical in its silliness. <laughs> That was from that that era when um, Nicolas Cage was just taking every movie possible to get himself out of debt, right? <laughs> yes. like, just to make all the money to because of all the um the, like when he bought that uh, T Rex head and whatnot. Um, <laughs> he does he does do some bad movies, but he does I, I feel his like choice he does some amazing ones and some terrible yeah, ones. Just exactly. So yeah, at some point Fox obtained the the full rights from Ihinger, who he actually died of a heart attack in two thousand eleven. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, so then they kind of enjoyed the same deal that um, with that, that they previously had. So as long as they keep making them, they could keep the rights, which is why they did the reboot. And which is why we get all those reboots from like Sony on the Spider-Man, like constantly, because if they let if they let it lapse, you know, and the same with the X-Men, they have to keep putting them out every so many years uh, to keep the rights. But of course, now it's slightly less of a problem with Disney buying Fox. So they got they got back their Fantastic Four and the X-Men and whatnot. I think. Oh, that's that's that for this. Now we're going to move on to some um, some bonus facts, which are kind of funny. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Bonus facts. Uh-huh. Uh, so Squirrel Girl, right? Uh, kind of a bizarre character, but kind of funny. So we're going to talk about a few other bizarre <laughs> superhero characters. So this one to start off with oh, is a villain. I know this one. We Snow did a Flame. video about this guy. <laughs> He's a <laughs> Colombian drug lord who gets his superpowers <laughs> by... Cocaine, basically taking lots and lots Copious of cocaine. Copious amounts of cocaine. <laughs> yeah, and snorting. The more he snorts, the more powerful he becomes. Where and was so, this? How do you get away with this? Yeah, this was, what was this? I think it was in the 80s. I feel uh, this would imp- make an amazing show today. You know, like you got like cartoons like Family Guy or whatever that are not yeah. for children. This would yeah. be amazing. <laughs> yeah, or this, they had, uh, the Japanese had um, one uh, eight man or something the eighth man or something like that uh, who yeah. got his powers from smoking and it wasn't like in <laughs> yeah. the in the thing it wasn't like a cigarette it looked exactly like a cigarette and they acted like it was a cigarette but it was actually atomic energy he was smoking like these things but it was really just you know a way to get kids to smoke um and then the the u.s uh the u.s i think they renamed it the eighth man if i remember correctly and this was he, this is actually what Ro- man. <laughs> yeah robo robocop powers <laughs> yeah RoboCop was actually based on this character because uh, he, he like he died and then they brought him. He was a detective and they brought him back to life as a as sort of a robot. Um, so there was that Wait, one. Wait, the smoking man? A, yeah, the smoking man. RoboCop is based a, on the smoking man. Yeah. How do I not know that? That's amazing. Yeah. 
Uh, and then there was another one. I can't remember the name of this one, but um, he basically got his powers by drinking. Um, <laughs> and, I'm assuming uh, alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, great. I don't think that's what they say, but it's like, you know, implied. <laughs> implied. So, but anyways, we have a quote here about the, so the character of Snowflame states when he's debuted. I am Snowflame. Every cell of my being burns with white hot ecstasy. Cocaine is my God. <laughs> I am the human instrument of its will. I remember this from the original video. This is, yeah. I stand by this. I think this this should be made a TV show. I would watch the yeah. hell out of it. Well, and this, wait till you hear these other characters and this is where you're going to be like, oh yeah, that's not going to, that's not going to work. Uh, so they were trying to be like all inclusive of different cultures, you know, and stuff, but they ended up, what they ended up in different, you know, people. And so what they ended up doing though was just stereotyping them all to the extreme yeah. that would just not work. So, um, so for instance, they have a gay Peruvian magician named Extraño, <laughs> okay. but the problem is they couldn't say he was gay, but they just like, so they just made him like super flamboyant, like over the top stereotype and to the point, and this is the part where you're going to be, oh yeah. Uh, so his, his arch nemesis is the hemoglobin who, uh, who tries to get him to get AIDS. Oh God. As a, as a gay character what? in the 1980s. Yeah. And then they also don't, they kind of imply that maybe he already has AIDS. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's stereotypically comic. gay. Why wouldn't he have a? Yeah, in the 1980s. So, yeah. And then so they have an uh, Australian woman who is an aber... She didn't actually... She's a disembodied and she she exists in aboriginal dream time. <laughs> Not really sure how that works. What is that? Uh, a Japanese man comprised of all electronics <laughs> and he can interact with various electronic devices. Uh, an Inuit who randomly... His power, superpower is bringing out the best in people. That's okay. <laughs> Which is a little bit. Have you seen the Deadpool's? You, you haven't seen the Deadpool's. I've seen Deadpool. You? Deadpool's great. Oh, great. I really, yeah, the like, I really like these ones that are sarcastic. Like, I really like yeah. Deadpool. Well, that's why. The Guardians, Guardians of, of the, the Galaxies Galax was quite good. And watch watch the. You're not going to. A lot of it's not going to make sense, but the Thor, the Thor Ragnarok. Watch no, that. No, I don't it like that. Hilarious. It's, it's too much like no, trust, fantasy. It's like no, fantasy, no, no. dude. Trust me, the He's Thor Ragnarok. He's got a magic is, hammer and. No one likes that. Oh, I shouldn't swear because we're doing this live. Yeah. <laughs> they don't what? like that. Thor Ragnarok is amazing. It is so good. If you like the Guardians of the Galaxy, you will, you're will you going to like this I one. I don't. I, they, I'm, they I'm almost certain I won't. It. <laughs> I like Iron Man because he builds himself like a, a, a suit. It's science oh. fiction. I don't like yeah. the one where it's like, oh, he comes and he's got like, he's, he's a god or something from ancient Zeus yep. or who cares. It's funny. It's so funny. Oh, okay. They, they, get, they okay. totally go with the with the just the humor, the the Guardians of the Galaxy style, just over the top. Uh, it, they sort of resurrect that franchise, the Thor one. Like I like the first one; it was pretty good. But then it kind of like eh, meh. Like beyond that, these but exist then, as separate this movies one, outside of this uh, the collection one. Well, they are sort of in the collection, but this is, yeah, it's kind of a side thing. Um, uh, I mean, whole, I mean the uh, the Avengers. Yeah, they're not like it's not a group one. It's a he's off. He's off trying to save Asgard basically. Okay. Um and it's it's so good. It's so funny. But yeah, so another another one is okay, get this. Another another one of these th these were the new guardians the the DC was going with this series. Uh and this another one of the members um oh wait, I'm not sure if this one was actually a member of the new guardians, but anyway, it was al also a DC comics was Rainbow Girl and her powers, her superpowers were of the emotional spectrum. She was and it would she had extremely unpredictable super mood swings, basically. And like her, literally her explicit power was super PMS, basically. Oh, uh, wow. And 
Yeah, and so she would tap into her anger, the color red, hope, the color blue, and willpower, the color green, to fight villains. This, this is lame. This is yeah, everyone else. So, I mean, there's the there's the like there's the racist ones. There's the cocaine yeah. guy who's awesome. And then yeah. There's this one who's like, eh, okay. There, yeah. There's the super, but it's a, it's like it's. I feel like it's a little bit like the um, like the gay characters. Like really, really, that's what you're going for. Mm-hmm. But um, especially in a comic series that was supposed to like be all in inco- like inclusive. They wanted. I mean, they they were trying, but not. yeah. And I mean, the implementation I get it. needed some work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to be like, oh, oh, wait, super I wanna... over PC by being like, all of this was so no. terrible. It's no, not, but this one's it's not. It's also just super lame. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I forgot to mention uh, another superpower she has is as her as her, her super PMS is to create a pheromone field that gave everyone would think she, they would just love her because of her pheromone field. It gave her a personality that everyone loved and couldn't resist because of the pheromones that she would put off as a superpower. Now, that's slightly less lame, but it's still lame. Yeah, and then uh, like so a Marvel three out of ten, and that's you know high yeah, for her. DC, DC comics. So Marvel actually got into the the fun as well. Besides the Squirrel Girl, they also had Zeitgeist. Zeitgeist. Wait, um, you say DC comics like because they're not very good, but isn't Batman DC? No. Yeah, that was awesome. But like, D- yeah, but like it, it, the DC comics definitely uh, since the Fantastic and Four, Superman basically. must be DC as well because there was Batman and Superman. Yeah, they were. I love Problem that. with DC comics. If you I'm go back sure. to the like DC, DC Comics was really good in the beginning, and then Mar- when Marvel around that time when Marvel started putting out the Fantastic Four and the X Men, like Marvel just before that Marvel was just copying DC Comics. I mean, anything DC Comics did that was good. That's like the Justice League was uh, Marvel was just trying to copy it um, in the Fantastic Four, and but their own sort of version uh, ended up. And but then after that, like you know, Marvel's sort of dominated everything. Their, their stuff is just so much better. The movies are so much better. Did you see? Uh, I'm sure everyone in the in the comments or whatever the live chat will judge me for this, but this was one of my favorite shows shows of my childhood. Was did you see the the new adventures of Superman with Dean Cain? Did you ever watch that? Sounds familiar, but I don't know. It was like this '90s Superman series where it was kind of just it was it's you know you you watch it today and it's a bit lame, but this was amazing. <laughs> I loved this show. But, yeah, uh, I yeah. Uh, no, I don't. That's not ringing. Do you ever watch James Bond Junior? No, what's that? That sounds good. I love that show when I was a kid. I'm sure it's awful if I was to watch it now. Another one like that is um, Knight Rider. Knight Rider was amazing when I was a kid, and then you watch it now, and it is so bad. Like, it is a whole nother level of bad. <laughs> is it? Is it um, live action or cartoon? Yeah, yeah, Knight Rider is the one with the car that talks. No, no, no. You know, uh, sorry, J- James Bond oh, Jr. Oh, James Bond Jr. No, it's a cartoon, like a morning cartoon. I used to watch it like before going to school. It seems little... a bit familiar to me. Like, I, I yeah, feel you probably like, I like it, it was a cartoon. If you go and listen to the theme song, if you if you recognize that. Okay. Um, he's like, you know. <laughs> In any event, so we have this this zeitgeist who's, who's super stomach acid, which well, he was, was that the name of the character too in um, Deadpool 2? The one that could spit the super stomach acid. Uh, I do not that, remember that one. Was a, that was a hilarious skit. But either way, so he finds out he get. How did he find out he has super stomach acid? So he gets drunk one night, and he's making out with this girl, and then he gets oh. sick and vomits all over her face with his super oh god stomach acid, and it burns her face off. And then uh, his response to the incident is, "I sure hope the doctors managed to give her back a pretty face." And given that his stomach Seems acid. Unlikely. Yeah, his stomach acid could uh, melt through four-inch thick steel. Yeah, it seems probably. Not. Uh, she's not getting her face back. How is her? Fa- how is her head okay? Yeah, 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, but then he goes on to use his superpower of super awesome vomit acid um, for good. But either way, that that is the, the wow. end of today's episode. Deadpool is in which, is that Marvel as well? That is Marvel, but Fox uh, had the rights at the time. Oh, uh, right. It's, so he's not in any of these Avengers things? Not yet. And I don't know how that would work. That would be, because it's so out there. Yeah. Like, so great, too. Like, they, they those are the ones that, are like, I feel like are sort of the Marvel level of quality, like Fox actually did, which is about the only, only ones who have done that. I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they were hilarious. Both, both of them were hilarious. But then, what do I know? I've, I've not seen any of these other ones. Oh, they're so, you're so good. You gotta watch the Marvel series. It'll take uh, you forever uh, to get uh, through them, but... No, it's never gonna happen. Yeah. I'll watch The Princess Bride before I watch that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I still get, still get comments about Princess Bride. Is that, is that, uh, is that where we're ending it today? I see that's the end of our little notes here. That is. Should we look at any reviews? Do you want to read some reviews on or do you want to just skip that today and tell people that they should review... <laughs> Um, so let's just wrap up the podcast then uh, thank you everybody for listening thank you for leaving reviews and all of that great stuff like we say if you uh, listen to this on a podcast it's how it's supposed to be consumed this video is just for fun the live stream because is because well why not in the podcast format it's a little tighter like Dayun's audio crisis that sort yeah. of thing is cut out so you yeah. never know it happens it's and we also as I pointed out last week we sound a bit quick quicker witted <laughs> because yeah, we, we remove a lot of the little silences yeah. But to be fair, there's like a one second delay between us because we're, you know, 10,000 miles away or something. That's definitely true. People don't like people sometimes think we're in the same place No, which is cool, uh, but wildly yeah. unrealistic. Yeah. So, yes, all of that great stuff. When we have a thousand reviews on iTunes US, we will go through and we'll pick someone out to win that Amazon gift voucher and a couple of follow ups, uh, runners up, I'm sure. As for us, we'll be back. Are we... Are we contractually obliged to do one next week? Because we're contractually, we have contractually obliged to do two more this month somehow. And uh, I got to, but, but uh, I got to focus on the other first, but then we do have to do at least one more next week because you won't be back until okay. the 27th, right? That's true. And I'm not here on Friday, so we'll have to do it a day before, I guess, if that's possible. Okay. We'll <laughs> on a <out>. holiday. <laughs> I have to take some time off. <laughs> Can I? <laughs> uh Yes, all of that good stuff. So this has been the Brain Food Show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will be back real soon, as we are contractually obliged to be. (laughs) See you soon. Goal one for Satan. (laughs) 